Hey, this is Adam. Uh, note on this episode, a couple of notes. Uh, it was recorded in mid-May, just mentioning that in case we refer to circumstances of the pandemic or otherwise that have since changed. Also, Jordan and I did two recording sessions on this day. The first one right before Clara returned after being gone for four days, and this one right after she returned. We've decided not to release the first one, but we do refer to it in in this episode. So I think that's all you need to know. Enjoy. I'm Adam Strauss. And I'm Jordan Iper, MD. And this is not therapy. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much therapy. It's not therapy, man. We are back for <laughs> the listeners. Hey, Adam, welcome. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, it's been, what, three, four hours? Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's unclear uh, where in the... Where in our canon this uh, will be slotted in, but for those keeping score at home, we recorded a new session a few hours ago, uh, the content of which was, you know, devoted to exploring your relationship with Clara, which has been going really well recently. She was just out of town for a few days uh going to visit her family in southern california she has come back now of course still coronavirus times coming back to be with you in the house where you are staying i from my perspective i would say much of the session we recorded earlier was given over to talking about how well things are going we even uh so far as went to suggest that you were doing so well that we, at the end of the episode, we would hit pause on recording material around what was going on for you and maybe transition to some guest interviews because it was kind of just like, man, Adam's just fixed. There's not much to talk about right now. Yeah, but that's not entirely accurate because I did, I did raise uh, well, maybe it wasn't so much of a concern, but I did note, well, I'll just tell you what's going on now. And yeah, uh, yeah so actually, as we, as we were recording that episode, she came back. I knew she was going to come back. I left the door open for her. And But let's back up a little bit, because I did mention this on the last recording, which we may or may not release. When we finished recording, we were like, we don't even know if we're going to release this one, because I think there was hopefully some interesting stuff there, but nothing felt... Like it had a terrible, terribly urgent. Um, so who knows whether that one comes out or maybe we combine this little, what we're doing now as a supplement. But um, I did mention in our last conversation that, so she's been away for four days. We've basically been living together for almost a month now. It's been going exceedingly well, just easy. It's been easy. I've really enjoyed her company. I've enjoyed connecting with her. And she's been gone for four days and the first day she was gone, I really missed her. And then I started getting into kind of a groove. I've been doing more work when she's here. I still do a fair amount of work. She's very, very organized and has a schedule for herself, but yeah, inevitably when you're living with a romantic partner, you spend a fair amount of time in their company, not working. So the last four days I've felt yeah, really good. I've been very productive. I've been pursuing some writing projects that I had put off for a while. I've been sleeping really well. I don't sleep quite as well when I'm sharing a bed with her. And I woke up this morning and I realized a part of me didn't want her to come back. Mm. It's weird even saying this. I mean, part of it is obviously she could hear this at some point. She's not going to listen to these for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I guess I just have to put that concern aside. If we're going to do good, not therapy, I have to yeah. be not hold back. So yeah, there was a like, just complete, like, complete client therapist confidentiality, right? Where all of our listeners, you're, 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 you're binded by that as well. It's Legally every, speaking, if yeah. you're listening to this. It's, this is strictly between me, you, and anyone with internet. <laughs> <Right>. But <laughs> yeah, not, I was like, I, the world. 
Probably not. Well, they don't all speak English, though. Maybe our podcast will be translated. <laughs> Google Translate, Scott. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is going to be translated. Sorry, go on. So, yeah, I was like, I don't really want her to come back. And I don't know. The reason I wanted to record right now, Jordan, is I'm having a very strong reaction that feels disproportionate to the actual circumstances. And as a longtime connoisseur of therapy, um, I that kind of is a bit of a um, it's a signal, right? Like there's something going on that I'm not that is not in conscious awareness because basically. I well, so she got so I was feeling that way this morning. Like, yeah, I don't know if I want her to come back, and it was an odd thought. And I knew, I knew intellectually that if she didn't come back, I would miss her. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but in the near future. Like, I, I, I knew because when she left, it was like things are going so well, and I can't wait to wait to see her again. And so I knew that this was. Uh, I don't know. I knew it was just kind of a thought, which doesn't mean it's not true, but I, I just know logically that if suddenly I was to never see her again, I would be devastated, but I don't feel that way right now. And when I woke up this morning, I was like, I don't really want her to come back. In my mind, it wasn't like I don't ever want her to come back. It was more like, oh, I'd like today to be like yesterday where I have all the time and all the space to myself to focus on my work and to focus on whatever else I wanted, just relaxing. So she did come back and it just feels, yeah, I, I guess I'm having a strong feeling of resentment isn't quite the right word, but I, I, I feel bad saying this because we are recording this. And I guess when I say I feel bad, I suppose part of me is afraid of judgment. Part of me is afraid she'll hear this though. Well, I, you know, I think her and I will get beyond this, but like resentment that she's here, like there's a part of me that just really doesn't want her to be here right now. Mm -hmm. And I can't, this is, we've talked before, we talked in what we just recorded earlier today, whether or not that's published, but we've talked in past episodes, how the OCD would often find flaws or perceive flaws in partners, whether be it their physical appearance, something we don't connect conversationally, reasons why there's something wrong and this is not the right relationship. And one of the amazing things, not amazing, I've done a lot of work as you've pointed out, but that has not happened with Clara, or rather it has happened. There have been voices uh, of doubt in my head or finding flaws, but I just haven't paid attention to them and it's been pretty effortless. It hasn't felt like I've had to white knuckle through it. I just, I, uh, those voices pop up sometimes. I, mm -hmm. they're very faint. I don't listen to them, they go away. Mm -hmm. And, I want to say that now because it's not like I'm finding flaws with her. There's no reason. It's there's nothing specific to her that I can point to why I don't want her here. I just I I just feel like I don't want her here right now, mm -hmm. and it's painful because she is here, and I feel like my choice now is to, I, like I don't even want to go out when we're done recording and see her. And I don't, I don't know why I haven't seen her in four days. I have deep feelings for this woman. I've grown very close to her. I love her company. And one possibility that occurs to me is this could just be, Hey, I lived alone for 17 years. Then I've had a month effectively living with this woman. It's been great, but I got a little taste of being alone. And I'm like, ah, you know what? I, I really like that, which doesn't mean I don't want to quarantine with her again, but maybe I feel like I just need a little bit more time. And I can be very rigid when things aren't the way I want them to be. It can feel really, really uncomfortable and I can fixate on it. So maybe that's all that's happening. It's like, yeah, I'd, ideally I'd like a few more days alone. I'm not getting that. Someone else might say, well, whatever, it's fine. Just, you know, it's not like it's terrible being in her presence. So that's one possibility. Well, before you, before you go on her, I agree with something you brought up a few minutes ago, which is that yeah, when we have these outsized reactions to something that is sort of intellectually no is not a big deal, but we have a very strong emotional response. That's a signal that something that some old pattern is being activated. You know, something very deep within us, something from our childhood 
most typically. And I hear you now going into kind of what seem like sort of intellectual explanations or yeah, potential explanations for what might be going on right now. And I'm wondering if, have you taken the time to just sort of slow down and be with some of the feelings coming up first and um, just sort of let them arise and marinate in your body? Thank you for asking that. And because that is a big part of my practice, typically when I feel strong emotions, I'll slow down and just really try to tune into the sensations. And no, I've not done that. Yeah. You just texted your not therapist. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, so she got back. Um, we, we talked for a bit and, she, and we had sex. She was kind of fairly passionate about that, but not for that long. Cause I was hungry and she had a phone call and this, the sex was fine. And then we went for a walk and even going for that walk, I felt like I'd rather be walking alone. And um, why am I mentioning this in response? Yeah, I haven't really slowed down. And I, I, so on the walk, though, I did mention this to her. I said something like, you know, I did miss you, but I missed you more initially. And then I kind of got into a groove. And she knows that one thing that has been bothering me is I feel like I have not been I haven't been um, doing as much work, creative work, as I'd like to be. And so she was happy for me when I told her, yeah, I got into a good groove. I was doing some some productive work. And, and I said something, because we've talked before about what is the right, again, we've been pretty much continuously living together for almost a month, but there's also been a sense of, well, maybe we should be spending some time apart. And so I brought that up and she was fine with it. And she said, yeah, maybe I'll go because she has an apartment in San Francisco. Maybe I'll go to my place Wednesday for a couple of days. And so I'm mentioning this because it's not like, uh, I don't know. All I know is right now, I there's a beautiful woman here who I have very strong feelings for. Uh, who I love her company and I don't want her here. And I feel like almost like a brat. Like I just, I really, I don't want it. And this, I will say, maybe this is more intellectual intellectualization, but it feels a little bit like OCD to me, this kind of, um, a big feature of the OCD part of the underlying mechanism of it maybe is this real fear of loss. And we've talked a lot about this. Mm Mm-hmm whenever something is, yeah, fear of losing anything that I find pleasurable or that I value, I can worry about losing it. We even talked in one episode about watching this beautiful sunset and me being like to myself, almost subconsciously being like, well, don't fully enjoy the sunset because you know, you're not always gonna be able to have this experience. Yeah. And so one thing that could be going on, certainly there's been times where there's been a lot of fear of loss around Clara. And even recently, we're staying through his tremendous generosity at my cousin's beautiful house in Oakland, my cousin and his wife's. And there was a little period where it emerged like it it wasn't clear whether she could stay here or not. And I really was worried about, oh, she might have to leave. I don't want her to leave. And so maybe what's happening now is now I've had a few nice days alone and I'm feeling the same thing like, oh, it's nice being alone. I don't want to lose that. And it's some sort of just rigidity, just fear of change. Even if it's the, to the normal person, the very small change of, yeah, I mean, spending time with a woman who I've spent a lot of time with for a little more time. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Let's see if we can just drop down and be with it for a sec. Yeah. Just kind of feel the sensations in your body. Let's see what's coming up. Not from a place of your adult intellectual mind knowing what's happening, but coming at it from a place of 
wondering what the fear is trying to tell you. What that little child part inside that's feeling kind of overwhelmed or afraid or upset or anxious right now, what he's needing. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, there's, there's sadness. There's sadness. Mm, Some sadness. And there's, uh, and there's a real like vulnerability, like a feeling of, um, very tender, very, yeah, vulnerable. And, and I think, yeah, some fear around that. Mm-hmm. feeling scared around that feeling of, of vulnerability mm. yeah it feels vulnerable to have these big feelings coming up around her return imagine you wanted it to just feel really nice when she came back and just really drop into it and it's confusing to have these ambivalent feelings yeah and and I guess maybe what I'm also feeling is that maybe part of it is uh, I haven't felt much vulnerability in this relationship recently I felt very secure and also at times almost indifferent not in a bad way but kind of like trusting like well this is going to work out the way it works out and i'm just enjoying connecting to her and i'm not worried about where it goes so i haven't had much consciousness of vulnerability but maybe part of what's happening now is um yeah it's like oh she's back and now i yeah if i open my heart to her the way i was opening my heart to her there's more vulnerability I, I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. Like maybe part mm-hmm. of the, maybe part of the enjoyment I've had of the last few days when she hasn't been here is just maybe feeling, this isn't conscious, but maybe I felt safer in some way or more comfortable. Yeah. And I think I really, really, really prize feelings of safety and comfort because there's, there've been so many times when I've, you know, not been able to find that, not necessarily because anything terrible is happening in my life, but because of the, uh, because of the OCD. Mm. And so I really, yeah. And I mean, if we want to go early childhood, certainly that was a feeling that I often longed for feeling of just feeling okay. Mm. You often didn't feel okay. Yeah, I often didn't feel okay. I, I, yeah, I'd say I, I usually didn't feel okay when I was when I was growing up. Hmm. What do you remember feeling like? Oh, we've talked about it a little bit, but you know, I, I would get into these really, really big fights with my mother pretty regularly, and often I would make her cry which as I'm saying that is an interesting way of putting it, I would make her. Mm-hmm. But the outcome of these fights would often be her crying because, you know, I would just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't let go. It would be a fight over nothing, picking up my toys, but I would just, I would refuse to pick up my toys and these fights would escalate. And, and the outcome often was, was her crying. And I would feel, yeah, I think, it's hard for me to tap in viscerally to what I felt, yeah. but I imagine I felt a lot of shame mm-hmm. and, and that I was, you know, that I was uh, bad in some way, a bad kid because she was a good mom and I made her cry. I wonder why the fights started. Like, why did you refuse to pick up your toys? What happened for you when she asked you to? I would just get really, I would, 
I would say I would do it, but I wouldn't do it. I would put it off and put it off. And then when she started, when she started insisting, I would just get furious. I would get the, this rage would come out of nowhere, or maybe there was a deeper root for that rage, or it's occurred to me as I've grown older that clearly there's, there was a dynamic at play. You know, I think maybe she, maybe we kind of triggered each other in a certain way that that made things escalate. But I also, before I go more into that narrative, I even independent of that as a kid, there was just often a feeling of, yeah, just just feeling shitty, feeling sad, feeling lonely, feeling that something was wrong. Just something that was a dominant feeling that I had. I would say for for most of my life and it's decreased steadily beginning um well yeah it's i mean it's been a long journey um we've talked in the past i mean i was in a mental hospital when i was 18 and certainly the last 10 years have been the best 10 years of my life and the best last six months have been the best six months of my life but for a long time especially growing up yeah a feeling that something something is wrong just something is wrong i don't feel the way i want to feel Mm. Yeah. It sounds like maybe a little bit of that feeling got triggered today after Clara came back. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like Yeah, like there's this real sensitivity in my heart. When I say in my heart, I don't mean metaphorically, I mean in that the center of my chest, which tends to be where I experience all emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Back to that feeling that something's wrong. Something's wrong with you, maybe. I just, it doesn't feel so much like right now it's something wrong with me. It feels like I just don't want this. I just don't want this. I feel like I was happy and comfortable with her gone. And I don't, I don't want her here, which is, feels crazy to me because I've, enjoyed having her here so much and i again i know i know logically that if she if she was like hey adam sorry i'm out this isn't working out i would pine for her i would long mm-hmm. for her i would obsess about it i i but yeah. but in this moment it feels i think it must i don't know but i feel like it probably is related to yeah some even though i'm not conscious of feeling a lot of vulnerability around her it feels like that's probably what's going on is that I mm. suddenly feel more vulnerable with her here. Yeah. I wonder if it felt sort of like an invasion when she came back, you had your nice space the last couple of days. You were productive sort of in the zone. And then she kind of pierced through that layer and came back into your world. Yeah. Yeah, I just go back to this. It feels kind of like this, this, this very, not quite infantile, but this sort of child feeling of like, this isn't the way I want it to be, which sounds like OCD, but yeah, specifically, I just, yeah, it, it, there is a feeling of, I feel, I guess, less safe. Mm-hmm. Right now, I, maybe I was feeling, I mean, again, I've generally felt very safe with her, but maybe, maybe not. I mean, she's not, she's a very strong person. She's a very, very strong person, which is one of the things I really love about her. But uh, as I've said to her, you know, Clara does what Clara wants, which can sound like an, an indictment of someone like, oh, you're selfish, but I actually admire it because she's very very like i can be so wishy-washy and so many people i know can be wishy-washy you know making plans in new york what do you want to do i don't know what do you want to do (laughs) and she is always really always is clear on what she wants Mm -hmm. to do and she's going to do it and at times that's felt like when she left the first time we were quarantining it's felt kind of harsh but more and more i've appreciated it and actually looked to it as kind of a model of how I want to be more, be more like that because it's mm. very clear when someone is like that, when someone is very clear about their desires and needs, 
then it. Yeah, but again, but, I just, but I'm maybe, just noticing like as you started talking in the last minute, there was a whole shift in your posture and your tone. And mm-hmm. I hear myself again talking to adult intellectual Adam. Right. And I have lost contact with the uh, the tender, the sort of vulnerable, younger part that's feeling a little overwhelmed right now. I don't well, I think, think adult. You, yeah, yeah, adult ahead. Adam wants to kind of make sense of it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah you want to re- re- remind me and yourself and. The well, I want to find a narrative that can yeah. explain yeah. what, what, why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, yeah. and so yes, yeah, so the adult yeah, part but, of me is now going to this narrative where, oh, in some ways, you know, she can't. She's not a very. Yeah, because she's such a strong person, maybe that provoke some fear but but go on i think you want to lead me back to to child adam (laughs) no yeah we're just what you were saying what is you brought in this this way and you know she came back in into your space and she's strong-willed and and then you sort of dog-legged into a description of why that's such a such a great attribute and why you have so much appreciation for her organization and strong will but i think there's something else there we're not hearing in the way that her her strong willedness uh might might affect you on some level well i i suppose because if if someone is really going to do what they want to do kind of irregardless of you then then maybe it makes her feel less dependable in some way Hmm. but i don't think feel like i'm looking for her to be she is dependable in like i trust her and but i'm not i don't I don't, I don't, consciously, I don't perceive that as a problem. I, I, I've looked at our relationship as, yeah, we each do what we want and we communicate very, very clearly so that if she wants to do something that I don't want to do, I don't have to bite my lip and suck it up. We can talk about it and maybe we reach an accommodation, which certainly there are times where we want to do different things and there's compromise, but it's always very out in the open rather than kind of try, you know trying to just appease the other person without really talking about it or, or trying to guess what the other person wants yeah again and i i hear all that and i i hear i don't i don't want to make it sound like i'm writing off this sort of adult intellectualized part i don't i don't think that's just like a thin rationale or something obviously there's a great many wonderful things you guys have going for you but i'm curious about this other deeper part that at times has trouble trusting her i'm thinking back to when she left to go to southern california the first time and there was a moment of almost i think you described it as kind of paranoia just to clarify where she left this was like a couple of when quarantine started this was a couple of months ago yeah yeah um and you had a moment almost of of paranoia of like, well, I don't think I don't, I don't want you in this apartment. And when I'm not here tomorrow, you could take the TV or something. And I think there's a, yeah. So there's a, you know, there's a, there's a part in there that can really have trouble trusting. It was, I mean, that there was a lot more around that moment and I wasn't seriously concerned about that uh, in terms of trust in that way, but there was absolutely a moment where we were going to be quarantining and definitely she left after five days where I was like, wow, I don't really know this person and I don't know if I can trust them. I wasn't legitimately concerned about her theft, but I I was concerned about, yeah, but I was concerned like, wow, I just, and then, and then what I, in hindsight, what I realized about that moment is I can trust her and I did trust her. My heart, my body knows her, but my mind at that point was just really spinning. Yeah. No, and I, but w- yeah, what I'm trying to get us back to is these, these moments when really big feelings come up, when the ugliest feelings come up, paranoia, massive distrust, those are transmissions 
from our shadow parts, from our inner wounded children. And we don't do ourselves any favors ultimately when we, when we respond to them just from a place of kind of clamping down with our, with our adult intellect. Like, I don't know. That's ridiculous. I, I can trust. I yeah. wasn't actually worried about the TV. It's like, no, let's kind of, let's take our time and really try to be with and respect the voice that's trying to speak in those moments because it, it, it's a, it's a steady voice that we all have. Sometimes it gets loud, but even when it's not loud, if we haven't taken care of it, it's, it's always saying something and there's, it's the voice behind the, this like steady hum of anxiety. You mean it's saying something in language and words? You mean there's a message that I can parse out from the feeling that's not a message that that's below the level of a normal intellect. Yeah. I think I'm trying to say something like that. Like I, there's a, there's a need, there's a truth or a, yeah, there's a need in there. There's, you know, I, I, I think it's helpful to, I think we've talked about internal family systems a little bit. I think that's a helpful model of therapy for looking at this, where we really personify these different parts. We really, um, you know, put a, put a face to it or a name to it. And we can kind of go inside and ask, hmm, who's this little boy who's having this tantrum right now? What does he need? What need is not being met? What's being, what fear is coming up when she comes back into your space and you get kind of overwhelmed yeah overwhelmed is a good word for it it sounds like yeah it sounds like it was a lot when she came back and you jumped into bed maybe that brought i don't think that feelings i intensified yeah maybe i think it was it was there i mean it was there i woke up this morning with it with this i don't know if i want her to come back and then yeah. I I one thing that came into maybe it's just a brain a mind thing and it's not at a deeper level but I I also I wonder as you were talking. Yeah, I wonder if a big part of this is fear of hurting her. Mm. Because she's she's a very strong person but she's a very sensitive person. And um yeah, I feel like she's 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 pretty enamored of me, and I'm very enamored of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and I think it, it gets so tricky with this stuff because so much. I mean, you could be like, I'm afraid of hurting her, but that's really a, that's really kind of a transference of all. I'm afraid of being hurt myself. I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I've I've certainly had the experience of. Yeah, of of with past relations with past women, where I feel like, oh, I I'm not as into them as they are into me, which again is not how I feel with Clara now. But I mean, at the most, if I want to go really like pre-verbal, it's like I want to just be alone in a dark room, call, curled up, mm-hmm. maybe not alone, maybe maybe someone stroking my forehead, but I just want to be mm-hmm. feel like safe. And comforted, and even just, yeah. just, yeah. It sounds like you, you want someone to be there and comfort you, but you want them to respect your boundaries. You want to still feel safe. Yeah, and she really does. I mean, we talked about this earlier today. Again, maybe this won't be published, but we make schedules. She makes schedules every day, and we have. So we're, we're, we have specific times we're together and a lot of time we're not together, even though we're in the same house, it's a big house. And also if I said, if I come out now and say, Hey, you know, I just kind of need a couple of hours alone. She would say, fine. So it's not, that's all. And that's all great. But that's not, 
again, that might, that doesn't have much bearing on what this is bringing up in you and, and what's coming up yeah. in you has, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with her. Cause I totally hear you when you say you're worried about hurting her. I could imagine if I was in your place right now, I'd be feeling like a feeling that's familiar to me, which is like, Oh God damn it. Like you're doing it again. And you're, you, uh, great woman came into your life and you're doing this old pattern and you're going to hurt them. But let's just, let's set aside any concern about what this means for you and Clara, what this means about Clara herself. Cause you know, obviously this might not have anything to do with her and her, her relative merits or demerits as a potential mate for you. And let's just kind of, focus on these feelings that are coming up. I think that's a really that's a really powerful and important image that you brought up of that feeling of wanting to be sort of curled up into a ball but with but still receiving some contact and some comfort. Yeah. It feels Yeah. It, it feels messy having someone here or yeah, less, less, less safe, less comfortable in, <clears throat> in some way, even if I can't logically explain that. Yeah. And you don't need to logically explain it. Yeah. Just be with the like, feelings. Yeah. Feels messy. Doesn't feel safe. I don't feel at this moment. I feel... (sighs) Yeah. Feels really confusing. But what feels clear is it's is this clear feeling of like I don't want her here right now. It does feel like yeah, some some deep vulnerability, some fear. Yeah, almost like what emotion is behind that? I don't want her here. Is there like a is it like a tantrum? Like I don't want her here, or is there a different emotion behind it? Oh, maybe a little tantrumy, and certainly, you know, yeah, I had a, I had tantrums growing up. Those those were tantrums I had with my mom. Those huge fights. Sorry, not doing your not not trying to st- steal your uh, <laughs> your psychiatric thunder. <laughs> yeah, I'm the mom guy. Yeah, no, it sounds a little bit like one of those when your mom would tell you to pick up your toys i you know because we talked about this earlier on the potentially unreleased episode about how i still haven't said i love her i haven't said i love you to her and but yeah we're engaging i mean the sex which is not sex it's love making i mean it's so excuse me it's so present and connected and I've I've said this to her a number of times where I'm it's like we're what we're doing sexually is significant. Yeah. Like you can't and so maybe part of the vulnerability has to do with that where it's really this just big opening to each other. It's yeah, a lot. Emotionally, spiritually. I mean, we're just so connected when we're again, the only the yeah. right word is making love. And it's it's amazing and but there is a vulnerability and in fact the only time she's cried in front of me was one time we were having sex where she said like i've just never had sex like this with someone else i've never given myself to someone else this way 
and it feels really vulnerable. Yeah, I I noted that earlier. I didn't bring it up when we were talking about your sex with her about how how passionate and intense it is and how it was a lot for her. It was kind of a new thing for her and I and you didn't mention anything about your own reaction to it other than that you were you know finding it very delightful and pleasurable and deep and rich, but I was wondering yeah, well, how's all that intensity for you? I know for myself, there absolutely is a way in which I, you know, at, at baseline in, in relationships, that's as I th- that's where my avoidant tendencies come from is f- f- the fact that I am prone to f- feeling overwhelmed in relationships and absolutely lovemaking can set me up for going down one of those spirals for feeling engulfed overwhelmed you know after the after the sort of moment of ecstasy has passed i have had many experiences of then kind of on the other side of that feeling of lonely lonely and overwhelmed like I'm um, alone in a dark forest far from home I generally yeah I generally haven't I felt very present with it but felt there's an awareness that this is deep what we're doing, but I haven't felt ambivalence about it. I haven't felt fear about it. Yeah. But I, I maybe, I think it's very natural thing to feel fear around, you know, to, to put a sort of, archetypal spin on it when you're alone in your productive cocoon in control of everything using your mind a lot you're very much in the masculine you know masculine Mm -hmm. the archetypal energy of order control linear thought stuff like that and she comes back you, she sounds like a very feminine woman, an artist, sort of some chaotic moods. You, um, yeah, she's an artist, some chaotic moods. Some, yeah, just very in touch with, with the sort of the flow of life. Um, the mystery of life, that which is in in some ways um, not in opposition, but in in contraposition to the to this world of the masculine, you know. And she comes back. You dive into this passionate love making session. I can well imagine how you could feel a bit threatened, like you're all of a sudden you're just sort of swirling in uh in the chaos a little bit maybe two two things that come to mind one is i think she is more masculine in a lot of ways and i am more feminine she she is an artist and she does she does i was going to say struggle but she really has it well in check uh but she does have bipolar whatever it is where she she oscillates between depression and not really mania but occasional hypomania more just normal mood but it's very it's well controlled by a number of tools she's developed um but she's very organized very structured very regimented very disciplined much more so than i am i don't know how much bearing that has on what you're saying but but we've yeah I think in a lot of ways I, I actually often have tended to be attracted to women who 
exhibit more archetypally masculine traits. Mm. Beth and Maddie, who we talked about in previous episodes, both, I would say, definitely some of that. The, the other thing I would say, though, is this, this predated her walking into the house, this sort of aversion. And yes, maybe it was intensified by the sex, but I was feeling this sort of like, I don't want her here when I woke yeah. up this morning. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, though, independent of masculine versus feminine, the fact of having another person in my living space is inherently more chaotic in this, yeah. the, the, the sense of the word meaning unpredictable. It's, yeah, I have less control over what happens moment to moment here with another person in this space. But again, I've been enjoying it for almost a month. So it's, I don't, I, I get we're trying to get away from logic, but it's not like, oh man, thank God she's gone. And oh no, now she's back. It was, oh, she's gone. I really miss her. But yeah, I, I, I don't, yeah, I still don't understand quite what is being triggered here. Well, something that comes to me in that image you brought up of lying there curled up in a ball with someone stroking your head is that in, in that position you're wanting to be both safe and protected and alone, but also with someone there. Loved, yeah. Loved, taking care but of But without you. any demands or without and there's, any... Um, yeah, but it, it, I don't want... I don't want to go down the road of putting a putting a, a sort of like judgmental spin on it. So I don't like mean in a judgmental really, way. Yeah. I mean I mean loved in a way like I don't have to. I'm the I'm the object of care. I'm being taken yeah. care of. Yeah, yeah. And there's um there's an ambivalence there, and that's really normal to feel. Oh, I want this person. I miss this person. I want care. I want love. I want connection. But also, it's really scary, and I want. But in that image, it's not her stroking my hair; it's someone stroking my hair who wants nothing from me, who I don't have any, who I can't hurt, who I can't, you know. It's it's. Yeah, I wonder who that might be. It definitely could be sort of a a maternal sort of energy. That was a joke. That was a joke. It's definitely a maternal energy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a caretaker. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. What every child wants, a caretaker who takes care of them exclusively, who has no, who has no, places no demands on them. Mm. And I think, you know, I think as we start to sort of unwind things more and more we're going to get down into the earlier relationship that you had with your mom and start to understand more of again it's not like we're playing the blame game but you start to understand a, a bit more of what might have been going on in the combination the dynamic that was formed between the two of you and the world around you that led to you maybe feeling that that need wasn't quite met at all times that need for care from someone who was totally available to you and that you couldn't break yeah because I think you you felt like you could break her. Yeah, I I I did, and that's hard for a kid. Yeah, and I don't know if this has anything to do with, with what's going on now, but I certainly feel like I said Clara is is very sensitive. I think there's a high degree of likelihood this has something to do with what's going on right now. Something to do with what was going on back then. I think, you know, you, you don't have, 
infinite templates for this slot in your mind occupied by really important woman. You start off with just one of those slots. And then as you grow and have more experiences and do your work and, and stuff, you know, you can, you, you can like expand that repertoire. That's the goal of therapy. But you know, this is the most significant connection you've had. This is, this is probably one of the most significant connections you've ever had in your life. And it's the most significant one you've had in a really long time. So yeah, I think that we are, um, yeah, it's just invariable that some of those really we're skiing in some of those really old tracks right now. That's how it works. Yeah. I, I, it's certainly plausible. I mean, yeah, I could look at it through another lens, which is, oh, this is just about control and rigidity, but, but that control and rigidity, listen, I mean, I know this is like my tag. I know this is like my tagline, but (laughs) everything is about early childhood development. Everything in the world that you experience is about early childhood development because when you're an early child in your early childhood, the whole world is your primary caregiver relationships. It's not like when yeah. you're an infant, you're like, Oh yeah. Like hung out with mom today. <laughs> then, you know, like looked Went over the there. With Susie. Looked over there yeah. Looked, yeah. It's like Played when you're blocks. a baby, when you're a baby, the, the universe, first of all, the universe is not you and mom. The universe is just like, experience the experience it just is and it's like hopefully the breast comes out of the sky to feed you um but yeah it's just like this when when we're talking about this early stuff it's it's everything in the world your family is everything when you're a kid so as you grow up and you start to add more and more different relationships and um yeah objects more and more objects come into your life they're all piling on top of objects these. in the psychoanalytic sense yeah in the psychoanalytic sense or just yeah just like like experiences just like job people. like boss you know yeah. when you like there's no the brain Different doesn't have to a, relate to the brain doesn't naturally have a template for like boss at work you know yeah um so it adapts so that has to get yeah thing. that has to get sort of retrofitted on to so that's more, dad to more that's, primitive yeah. stuff yeah um, so, you know, it's not, it's obviously Wait, we're getting we retrofitted be, because meaning we model, we conceptualize these relationships, these new relationships that come in with, let's say a boss, we kind of look to map those on existing schemas in our, in our mind. Yeah. And those yeah, exactly. will perfect. Perfect. Interesting. Of, uh, that's what a schema is. I mean, schema is, I don't know if you're using it sort of technically or. No, no, but schema is a, is a really important term, especially in cognitive behavioral therapy. That's, that's exactly what a a schema is. uh, Yeah. Like a a roadmap for how to relate to a, to a certain type of thing or in a certain relationship. So you have a, you have an important, an important woman's schema. Right. That. Yeah, it just go. It just it goes very deep. It goes very very deep, uh, and and so the yeah. You know, now I'm the one sort of sort of took us away into intellect land, but it's just to say that these we're not doing you any favors if when these big feelings come up we just go right direct into rationalizing mode. It's like, Oh no, but Clara's actually, she's so organized. She's just, I'm, I'm not overwhelmed by her. I'm the one who doesn't keep a schedule and she has this planner. I'm like, yeah, sure. But like, that doesn't, that sounds like a, like an intellectualization to me. Yeah. I, I, I guess the way I'm looking at it is I'm trying to, and I think I said this just a little while ago, but the, 
yeah, trying to just make sense of, of what I'm feeling. Yeah. So not, not intellectualizing it in the sense of trying to dismiss it like, oh, there's no reason for me yeah. to feel this way. Yeah. Clearly, I'm feeling this way for a reason, and that's a valid reason. I, I honor whatever that is. But, but yeah, I, I, I want some clarity on what that reason is. And so yeah. I'm, I'm throwing hypotheses out yeah. there, but I'm also not just happy, but eager to engage in a, in a different process which you're sort of steering us towards but i think that the process starts with whether it's figuring out rationalizations in the now or tracking it back to your early childhood because again i want to own that i i think i got us off track a bit with that too because that is also a way of playing it safe in the in the realm of the intellect the process starts with just being present with what's coming up and just letting it be there and experiencing it, letting it flow through you, labeling the feelings, labeling the emotions. I think that's, I think we have to kind of wrap up for, for now, but I, yeah, I just want to remind you that when these big feelings with her come up, you have time to take space and just be with them and bring some awareness and some nurturing to them. It, you don't have to figure out exactly what's going on. I don't have to figure out exactly what's going on, but I do have to walk out of this room and be in her presence. Yeah. And so... What if you just said... If you feel the need to say something, what if you said, I am really glad you're back. You might be able to tell that something's off with me. Just, you know, want to share with you that uh, something is got triggered in me. It has nothing. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm not mad or upset. Yeah, I wouldn't. I just like something. Something is coming up for me, and I'm not quite sure what it is, and I'm just gonna be with it. Yeah, I yeah, I think I'll not quite that, but I think I'll just because I I'm I'm not gonna say. I don't know. I I don't want to say I'm really glad she's back because that's part of what I'm struggling with right now. I'm not gonna say I wish you weren't here, but that may well emerge as. as I talk with her, but I, yeah, I'll just, I, I will start by saying that, yeah, I'm feeling a lot of stuff that seems to be triggered by the situation and you coming back and I'm really confused by it. I don't really understand what's happening. And yeah, I don't really have much else to say. Um, and she will absolutely respect if I say, I don't have anything else to say. She won't demand I say anything else, but I, I do have a feeling that we probably will get into a conversation around this probably because I, I kind of want to, maybe I mm. like, yeah, maybe in that image that it's more of a maternal figure stroking my hair. But often when she and I talk, I do get clarity on things and it's yeah. a little bit uh, dicey talking about it when yeah. it's about her. Yeah. And I have to thread the needle a little bit where I don't want to come out and say, yeah, I really felt like I didn't want you to be here. Um, yeah, I don't quite know how I'll navigate it, but I, I, I will say something to her and see, see how things unfold. Yeah. Or just stay with, stay with the feelings, with your experience. Hmm. You know, you felt, you're feeling overwhelmed. You're feeling vulnerable. You're not quite sure what's going on. But, you know, I, it sounds like you have a, yeah, you have a sense of what's swirling around. And I trust that you can communicate that to her in a way that it's not, you know, where you're still owning that they're your feelings. You're not throwing blame or any. Uh, you know, saying that she caused them for you. 
I'm not worried about the, the, the blame. I'm just worried that if she, even if I say it has nothing, this is my own thing, but I, I, I feel like it could be dicey if the if what comes across is that I'm having trouble with her being here. I feel like mm-hmm. that could be painful and hurtful to her and could cause some strains in the relationship. But 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 maybe that is what needs to come out. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, thanks for the uh, cramming in the extra session today. The bill's in the mail. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, yeah. No, I really do appreciate it. Um, Good work. Good work. Yeah. Yeah, this was a... It's powerful feelings coming up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Listen, I, I really appreciate you and uh, and love you. I love you too, man. Good luck. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Talk soon.